Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. So everybody, I think this is us for today, and I can now actually see you. The one light was a bit bright, but now I can see everybody. Can anybody tell me what book of the Bible we've been spending time in? Thank you, Ephesians. We've been spending time in the book of Ephesians, uh, and it's just such an incredible book, and, and we're kind of coming towards the end. Thankfully, I didn't get that part about wives submit to your husbands and husbands, so that's thankfully not my part. Uh, during the week, I had my uh, grade 12 ladies in uh, class who are they're an awesome bunch, and they're like, just explain this whole submitting thing to us. Uh, they were not easily convinced. Um, so, yes, so thankfully that's not my part, to which I am eternally grateful. Uh, I'll be talking about the first part, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 20. And, um, and as I spent time reading uh, this passage, it's interesting, it's, it's not, you know some passages really flow? This one doesn't, okay, in case you're wondering. This one doesn't really flow, it's kind of got all these points to it. But um, <clears throat> as I was spending time reading it, I, I was just... Uh, reminder that that as we look around, I don't know if you feel the same way I do. I look around right now and I think the world is crazy, absolutely crazy. And I, I look at what's happening in the world. I have a look at what's happening in Namibia. Uh, you read the newspapers, and over the last two weeks, there've been horrific things happening in Havana. Um, and you go, what is happening in this world right now? Uh, and I don't know if you've been doing the reading plan. But um, the reading plan has, we've kind of gone through like Chronicles and all of that. We're in Isaiah right now. But the good thing was that you read, uh, you know, Chronicles and, and all of those, and you go, oh, the world has always been crazy. Okay. I don't know if you've read some of those stories and you think this is better than any soapy that anybody could ever come up with. Okay. Uh, you, you think this is what we have gone through. And you, you look at that and you see what happens so quickly in a matter of 45 years you see kings coming, kings going, then this one follows God, then this one doesn't, and then, you know, then, I mean, this, what, where's that verse where it says that the two ladies agree to cook their children? Yeah, near Mensa. Now, the world is crazy, but it has always been crazy. The only thing that is constant is God. And when you read the scriptures, you realize that God had a plan then, and God has a plan now. And I think the world has always been like this. And that is why Jesus came into this world, uh, because we need him desperately. This world desperately needs him. Um, I don't know how the last few months have been for you, but for me, I think the, the word interesting always covers a whole lot of things. Yeah? Interesting could be good, could be bad, whatever. The last few months have been interesting. And um, as you know, I'm also a teacher here at the school. And I've seen that, that the students um, are not okay, you know. And, and you, if I hear the words new normal and unprecedented, once more, nah, those words drive me nuts. But, but that's pretty much what it is, is that everything, I mean, a few months ago, we would laugh at people wearing, walking around wearing masks. Now that's all we do. And we actually look at people not wearing masks going, you know. But I remember a few, uh, when was it, probably in February, somebody came, we were at the airport with one of the school conferences, somebody came out wearing a mask and we all just watched them going, and now that's our story. <laughs> we all wear masks all the time. 
And so I just want to just remind each one of us not to underestimate the toll that has taken place over the last couple of months on ourselves, but, but also on those around us. Um, I was reading up, and uh, just because I work with so many students and and, you know, we, we as adults, we think we have a little bit of control over our lives. Now you must imagine what the students feel like. Then they're going to school, then they're not going to school. Then no, just kidding. And it goes on and on and on like that. And I was reading an article and it says the key to getting through this is to, to you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, to then move it to post-traumatic stress growth. And part of that is to understand the process that we've been through and that there's actually grief and there's a loss in that whole process. And I've had to, uh, there's, there's nothing like, you know, not being able to, to be with people and having to sit behind a computer to actually start looking at your life. And I've had to really evaluate things and, and you know, the things that normally keep you in place, you know, like if you're hanging out with your friends or you're in a Bible study, those things weren't there. And I realized more and more that my anchor needed to be Jesus. And it still definitely needs to be Jesus. Uh, do you remember the, the boat, the Coleman Scop? in Swakop. Do you remember that? It was a boat, I think it was anchored in Walfus Bay, and then the anchor came loose, and then it came all the way to, uh, what's it, Fiekran Clip, I think it is? And then it, it ran aground there, to which I asked, why do you name your boat after a ghost town? You know? But remember, it, it came off its anchor, and then it got stranded there, and they dismantled it. And you had to look at this huge boat that was held there by a little anchor. I mean, the anchors aren't exactly small, but they're much smaller than the boat. And you see the, the importance of, of an anchor and what happens when there isn't one. Uh, I grew up in, in uh, visiting Luderitz all the time. My grandmother was there. Well, my grandfather too, but you know, my grandparents were there. And I would go to Luderitz every single holiday. And you could always see which direction the wind was blowing by the way the boats were facing. Because the boats would be on anchor and they would swing with the wind. And so you could, without even having to, you know, go outside, you could look at the boats and you'd know exactly which direction the wind was blowing. Because they would adjust to the wind. So they always face into the wind. And, and it was the anchor that kept them grounded. And so when I, when I look at my life, I realize more and more uh, that that anchor for me, and I think for each one of us, has to be Jesus. Because everything else, the winds, the storms will come, but it's only Jesus that will hold us, hold us firm. So I may or may not be turning 40 in the next few months, maybe, possibly. And there's nothing like, you know, turning, you know, 40 to make you look at your life and you go, I think I might be halfway. No, am I more than halfway? Anyway, you know, slight crisis, you know, existential crisis. But that's okay. I'm getting over it. And there's nothing like that to make you look backwards. Excuse me, no whispering. Okay. No whispering is allowed here. <laughs> okay. There's nothing like that to, to look back at your life and what you've done and to look ahead, because I think, you know, I'm more or less by midpoint if God gives me a long life, and, uh, and I, you kind of start examining things, and you look at, I don't want to call it a midlife crisis, okay, it's not that, <laughs> but it's, it's asking myself, am I doing what God has called me to do? Am I living my life the way God has asked me to live my life? Uh, I don't know if you're like me, um, there have been so many weeks where it's a hectic week or a hectic month and I go, okay, I just need to get through this week and then things will become. I saw a joke that said being an adult is basic, basically saying I just need to get through this week for the rest of your life. That's what an adult is. But I've realized how many times I've done that and then what happens? Before you look, the year is over, a new year starts and we might have missed the things that God has wanted for us. 
I look around, I look around at our church family, and I look around at, at other people that I know, and I see a lot of people going through difficult times. I see a lot of struggles. I, um, I see people suffering, and, and I see that life is hard. This last week, I got to have a conversation with my niece, who's getting way too big without me being there. She's now, hold on, hold on, 10 years old. And we had a, a conversation, a video conversation. My sister called me and said, you need to, you need to spend some time with your niece. And, and so we were talking, and, and, um, and she said that she, was, um, she wasn't fitting in with the big group. Now, you must know, now, if there's something that breaks her aunt's heart, is when a little niece, a little 10-year-old niece looks at you and goes, I just don't fit in with the big group. Ne? You want to go over there and sort out all the other children, even though you're the adult and they're 10 years old. Okay. And, and I had to have this conversation with her. And, um, and you look at this and, and you go, oh, life is so hard. And, and I'm reminded by a quote from Brené Brown that says, uh, she said this in her talk about um, um, vulnerability. She says, let me tell you what we think about children. They're hardwired for struggle when they get here. And when you hold those perfect little babies in your hand, our job is not to say, look at her, she's perfect. My job is to keep her perfect, make sure she makes tennis team by fifth grade and yell by seventh grade. That's not our job. Our job is to look and say, you know what? You're imperfect and you're wired for struggle, but you are worthy of love and belonging. That's our job. Show me a generation of kids raised like that and we'll end the problems I think that we see today. And so I reminded when I, I had to speak to myself as I was speaking to her and, and remind her that the standard of this world isn't fitting in with everybody because that's just impossible. And we know that the standard of the world isn't the standard that God calls us to. My job as, a, as the cool aunt is to persuade her to be the person that God has created her to be and to become even more so every day. But you look at somebody and you see the struggle and you want to take that struggle away. But that's not how God works. I look around at our church, as I said, and there are stories of, of people struggling with health. Um, there are so many people right now that are, that are not okay health-wise. I look at people that I know are not okay financially. Uh, I look at people that I know are not okay with family right now in terms of their own emotions. And I look around and, and, I, and I look at this and I go, okay, so what does it mean to live a life as a believer? What does it mean for you and me as a believer, what does this world mean? Because, you know, if there's something that gets us to examine our lives, it's a worldwide pandemic, okay? A worldwide pandemic gets us to, to look around. And so if you look at your life and you, and you view it from, from this point of view of this earth, it's hectic. But thank goodness, Scripture tells us that there is so much more, that this life is far more than what we see day to day. Because sometimes the day to day is not so awesome. So... Let me ask you this, and I might even want some, you know, replies. If you were to uh, examine your life, what is the yardstick that you'd use to measure it? In other words, if I were to ask you, are you living a fulfilled life? What would you use to measure that? So in other words, if you say it's wealth, I'd, then you'd say I'm wealthy enough, okay? What is, what is the yardstick that you are using right now to measure your life, to see whether you are living a life worth value. Anybody? You can say, this isn't my opinion, but some people. You can do that if you want to. Nobody? Must I pick on you? Guys, I know your names. <laughs> Who should I pick on? Th thank you, Rico. Uh, am, I, am I loving people? 
Am I loving people right? Am I treating people right? And so I think, um, I don't know, like I said, I'm, I'm talking a lot of my own life, but you, we've spent more time on social media recently. I say that I spend time on Facebook for the news, um, but sometimes you, you also, you know, there's a little bit more. You go on Instagram or <laughs> TikTok or whatever, okay, you go on to, and you see other people's lives and, and, you know, you look at it and you see they're just having amazing day, like on holiday all the time and all such things, and you, and you look at your own life and you go... Why am I working so much? No? But that's the thing is where you have to evaluate and you have to ask yourself, what does it mean to live a fruitful life? When you reach the end of your life and you look back, will you have any regrets? What's that cheesy saying? Don't cry because it's over. Rejoice because it happened. Okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> when you look back at your life, how do you know? that you are living or that you have lived a life worth living? Anybody? Is it because we're so far apart right now? Normally I'm used to the church talking back to me, but it might be this thing. <laughs> and, and it might be the seating arrangements right now. We'll go with that. Okay. How do I know that if I look back at my life that I've lived a life worth living? And I think the, uh, Rico is very right with what he said. But thankfully, Scripture also gives us guidelines. And so when we have a look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, the answer is, live as people of light. Thank you, church. Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> so thankfully, 5 verse 8 says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord, so live as people of light. Now, what's so interesting is when you look at that verse, it doesn't say that you were living in the darkness. It says you were full of darkness. Me, you, we were full of darkness. But now you have the light from the Lord. And so what is interesting is that that moment that we become a believer, that, that darkness that was within us gets replaced. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. In Thessalonians 5 verse 5, it says, For you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and to night. So the moment we enter into that relationship with Jesus, through, uh, through the sacrifice that he made for us, our nature changes from darkness, changes into light. Baptism. What is baptism all about? So many questions. Can you, you, can you tell that I've been teaching over Zoom, you know, where, where the kids mute and put the screen off, and I'm so used to, like, uncomfortable silence now. Okay. <laughs> What's baptism all about? Who should I pick on? Hey, Lucas. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> good. I'm good. Tell me what baptism is all about. Hmm. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly it. To those that couldn't hear, that you've died to your old life and, and risen into a new life, into a life of Christ. That's why we go down, we keep you underwater for a while to, you know, that you fully imagine what it means. And then we bring you back up, right? Because it's dying to yourself to your old life, and being raised again into Christ. And so there's a symbolism of this exchange. 
that happens. And, and once we have that relationship with Jesus, there's this exchange that happens. Have you ever heard of, of the unforgivable sin? Okay, the unforgivable sin. When I just became a believer, this one freaked me out a lot. Okay, it's in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, and says, And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. And when I was a younger Christian, I went, have I done that? Have I blasphemed against the Spirit without knowing? And so I, I remember freaking out, and then, of course, when I became a more mature believer, I'd freak out, no, just kidding. Okay. But what is that verse all about? That verse, when we read it, says that the unforgivable sin is, is blaspheming against spirit. But what that means is that the unforgivable sin is not accepting Christ. That's what the unforgivable sin is. Because if you don't accept Christ, you don't accept the person, or, yeah, you don't accept the person that can actually forgive your sin. And so there is nothing that we can do that will prevent God from allowing us into a relationship with him. The moment we accept Jesus into our lives, it says in 1 John that all our sins are forgiven. I had a, a, one of my mom's neighbors, um, I found out that their, their child had committed suicide. And so one of the, the things that somebody came and told them was that their child was definitely in hell. And I think in Namibia, we have, we have a lot of that kind of discussion. And what I hold on to is that if I have that relationship with Jesus, it doesn't matter what I've done, what I will do. Once Jesus is in my life, I will be with him. Now, when I get there, I might have some accounting to do for my, for my actions. And I will have to explain to him why he wasn't enough for my day to day. But to live in fear of, is that relationship with Jesus broken? How, how incredibly sad. For me, that relationship will always be there. Once I've truly accepted Jesus into my heart, and here's the beautiful thing, you can't fool him. We can fool each other, but we can't fool him. And so once we have him in our lives, it doesn't matter what happens, nothing will take that away from us. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Um, the team has this joke, is this man even a Christian? Okay. Have you ever looked at some people and then you find out they're going to church and you go, that one, <laughs> he's going to church or she's going to church. We, um, we had something like this in the past where we'd say somebody's part of our church and they go, really, this, this person? And we're going, yeah. And here's the beautiful thing that God says, whatever he starts in us, he will complete. The difference is some of us start at different points. Okay. So we might start here, and this one person that I'm thinking of, if let's say we all start our relationship with Jesus here, he started over here, okay? It was Vus, okay? And so by the time he had, you know, God had taken him here, you know, everybody's going, really? But we don't know where a person starts. But I'm so glad that when the work, the Bible says that he who began the good work, he will finish it. And so as we look around at those around us, uh, we need to realize that everybody is walking their own path with the Lord. And we need to have grace and mercy for those around us. Uh, these, I love these grade 12, this grade 12 group because then we had the whole discussion of, should a Christian be judging? And then, you know, you know that whole story? Uh, you know, everybody should live their own truth, etc., etc., etc. And And the scripture calls us to hold each other accountable. Yes, it does. But we need to understand that God is working in a person. 
and he calls us to, to be part of that journey. So what is that process? How do we do that process? And we read in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 5, it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Now, I, I didn't ever get to meet my biological father. Uh, he died before I even knew he existed. And, um, and so I've, I've, never, I've seen some photos of him. I've never seen videos of him. But I'm told that there's a certain way that we both stand when we're agitated. That, you know, hands on the hip, one foot forward like this. So here's a hint. This is how I stand when I'm agitated with a certain look. And even though I've never met him, apparently we both do that. Okay? And so there are certain traits that come through, and I'm not talking about the whole nature versus nurture thing right now. But what I'm talking about is that as children, there are certain things that we get from our parents. I got my love for camping from my grandfather. Uh, he was a very quiet, quiet man. Uh, he didn't like social events at all. But he would take me camping. And we would go into the Namib Desert and we'd listen to classical music uh, and sit under the stars and just listen to music and he'd teach me all the scientific names of all the different plants and everything. The thing is, though, he wasn't my biological grandfather. But because I get to, got to spend time with him, that's how I gained this love for, for nature and also for classical music, just of, of just enjoying what God has created. And so when it says that we must imitate God as his dear children, it's about learning who he is, and then those things come over to us. Um, I, as you know, I'm a teacher. Every year, the grade eights used to do a concert. And part of that concert used to be, thankfully, they would imitate some of the teachers. Now, you can't fool children, okay? That would always be the most painful part, because they would imitate us perfectly. I tell you, I walk into class, and I might have, you know, a different earring on, and they go, oh, nice earrings, ma'am. I'm like, I didn't even notice that. Children watch us, and they see, you, you cannot fool children. One of the things as a teacher that you need to know is do not try and be cool. They see through it, okay? And so they watch us, and they see exactly who we are as, as teachers. The children know if, I mean, I see some of our little students smiling here. You can't fool them. Because they watch us, and as I saw with the concerts, they know how to imitate us. Once you spend time with people, they start picking up your mannerisms. Uh, I called one of my students a chopalop. So now the rest of the class calls each other a chopalop. And they go, what does chopalop mean? I'm like, I don't know, it's just a nickname, you know, affectionate term. But because I say that, they now call each other that, okay? And so when you spend time with someone, you start picking up their mannerisms. I have spent a lot of time, unfortunately, on social media. Netflix might have featured as well. Um, students are always trying to tell me what series I need to watch. There was one, there was some other series that they made that I had to watch the first, the first program. It was painful. It was your typical teenage movie uh, series, you know, living on your own, you know, with your friends on the boat, and the girls are always in, in their swimsuits, and the guys are always walking around in board shorts, and, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, what's it called? Like I said, <laughs> Outer Banks. Okay, and, and and I kind of go, yeah, that that pretty much you know appeals to the teenagers because it's all about finding your freedom and you know solving things that the adults can't solve because they're just so boring. Mm -hmm. And so I've realized that uh, over the last few months that I need to be very careful what I fill my mind with. 
because I've found that if I watch too much Netflix or if I'm on social media too much, that stuff is what I start thinking about. And Scripture says that's what we shouldn't do. Scripture says in Romans 12 verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Our biggest challenge is our minds. I cannot think of any physical sin that doesn't start in the mind. Think of anything that a person could do that is against God's will. It doesn't start without them thinking about it. And so when Scripture says in Romans 12 that we must be transformed by changing the way we think, if we want to become more like Him, we need to change the way we think. We need to think the way He does. So how do we transform? One of the easiest ways is to spend time in God's Word. How's the Bible reading plan going? <laughs> I love the body language. <laughs> some of us are adjusting our masks. Some of us are crossing our arms. It's great. Okay. Is it, is it going all right? Okay. I want to encourage you, if, if you have fallen behind, that's okay. Just start where we are right now. Spending time in God's Word is the most important thing you can do. Uh, I realize the days uh, that I start my, my day without spending time in God's Word, that's where my day is just chaos, where I, I'm like a boat without an anchor, and I'm tossed around by my emotions, by what's happening around, the, in, around me, by what other people say and do. I need to spend time in God's Word. And so the reading plan is awesome because it structures it for you. I think many of us, when we were younger or uh, uh, younger believers, we opened our Bible and said, okay, God, what do you want to tell me today? Okay? And it doesn't work that well. But the Bible reading plan is just such an awesome structure. Knowing God's word is the foundation of living a worthy life. Uh, if you read the newspapers, pastors don't always shine in the newspapers. I don't know if you've realized this. I saw a, a photo of... Uh, of a pastor sitting on somebody else's back because, you know, he's too holy to touch the sinful ground, okay? Or you, or you read about, you know, pastors telling the congregation that they need to eat grass, okay? My personal favorite is that people must please send money so they can buy a jet so that they don't get bombarded by prayer requests while flying commercial. That's my favorite one, okay? And as also, also, don't forget Doom. Remember the Doom one? So a few, a few months ago, I was busy. You know, you get these little um, automatic sprayers, and it was during the time of mosquitoes. So I was busy adjusting it, or they had to change the battery or something. And as I put it back in, the, um, the little lever went down. But I was looking at it. Don't do that, okay? So I got sprayed with doom in my right eye. I'm like, I'm blessed! <laughs> and then I was in lots of pain, okay? <laughs> But you, you, you read of people saying that as, as, as pastors, and you go, oh, what does this world think of who Jesus is? Okay? And so the world thinks that, that, that people who follow this are ridiculous, but they don't know Jesus. And the way that you get to know Jesus is by spending time in his word. As believers, I had this beautiful conversation again with the students, explaining where the whole concept of the Lamb of God comes from. You know, from the Old Testament, and I remember saying this, and they have to, you know, they have to sacrifice, and that's why Jesus called the Lamb of God. And these kids went, oh my goodness, that's so awesome. And that to me is the coolest feeling ever, when, when students, children make that connection in God's word. 
And that's what we're called to do. We're called to know God's word. Okay? In, in Ephesians 5, verse 8 to 10, it says, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light of the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. One of the joys of being nearly 40 is that, you know, everything goes through cycles. And so you know the WWJD bracelets? Do you guys know the WWJD bracelets? Okay, I'm seeing some vacant looks. But remember that, was that what would Jesus do? Okay, and it was this huge craze. And, and then it kind of got a little bit overboard, you know, a little bit kind of, because then it just became a saying instead of something that people actually did. But there was so much, there is so much truth to that. There is so much truth that if we want to live a life worthy of living and that we can look back and say, this is what God has called me to do, we actually need to know what God wants us to do. We, want, we need to know what would Jesus do in that situation. So one of the things that you need to do is first start off with the right starting point, which is scripture. So this is what I discovered. In October 12, 19, uh, 1492, Columbus arrived in the Bahamas thinking he had hit Asia. Don't know much about geography, but I think those are very separate, right? And, and the reason why he did that was because he used Roman miles instead of nautical miles. And that ruined his whole little trip, okay? A more recent example. September 99, after almost 10 months of travel to Mars, the Mars Climate Orbiter burned and broke into pieces on a day where NASA engineers were expected to celebrate. The ground reality turned out to be completely different, all because someone failed to use the right units, the metric units, okay? So a NASA review board found that the problem was in the software controlling the orbiter's thrusters. The software calculated that the force that the thrusters needed to exert in pounds of force and a second piece of code that read this data assumed it was a metric unit. So during the design phase, the engineers at Lockheed Martin uh, expressed force in pounds, but then NASA expressed it in uh, metric measures, okay? So basically what happened is that this navigation mishap pushed the aircraft dangerously close to the planet's atmosphere, where it then burned up and broke into pieces, killing the mission on the day where they were supposed to celebrate the entry into Mars's orbit. A little, slightly, tiny, slightly, tiny, slightly small miscalculation. I don't want to even know how many millions and billions of dollars that cost. And so when we look at our lives, if the starting point is wrong, we are going to end up where we shouldn't be. Because it's something as small as knowing who Jesus wants us to be. And once we know that that starting point is Christ, we also need to know that it will look very different to what the world expects. The Beatitudes in Matthew 5 says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. And it goes on. And when you look at all of those, it's very different to what the world expresses right now. We look at people like um, Jeff Bezos, who is now one of the richest people in the world, where, where a lot of people um, lost a lot of money, he did really well. And he's been described as many things, but I've never heard the word humble. Okay. And so I think that could be any of us. I don't think we need to be the world's richest people to be able to say that. And so we need to understand that God's measuring stick, his yardstick to what is a, a worthy life is very different to what the world says. If I get to the end of my life, I want to hear the words that come from Christ 
It says, well done, good and faithful servant. Those are the words that I want to hear. And so my question, my challenge for you this morning is, where are you right now in your life? Are you doing what God has called you to do? God doesn't call everybody to leave their job and go out into the mission field. No, that's not what God calls you to do. God calls you to take Jesus to where you are. You know that verse that says that uh, you shouldn't hide your light? I would sing that song about, what's that, um, what's that kid's song? Okay, that song. Yeah? You know that song? That little light of mine? And so I, I was going to get everybody matches, but then I thought, grass, yeah, let's not do matches, especially for the younger and some of our young adults. Um, but God has, has given us a purpose in this world, and that purpose is to make sure that we shine his light. That because we are in him, we have the light within us, and that is to, to really, in this, in this crazy world right now, is to really show who he is. And that's the purpose of our lives. I, I really have, it's the last couple of months have been hard, and I think it's been hard for everybody. Um, to just show who Jesus is in a practical way. And I found myself very consumed with my own thoughts and my own, own battles. But the moment that I step outside of my own world, and the moment I step out and love people the way God wants me to, it's amazing how my life shifts back into order. And so just, just for each one of you, I, I don't know everybody's story, but I know that it hasn't been easy. And I just want you to, to encourage you to, to go back to, to the roots. Spend time with God in His Word. And even though the circumstances won't change, God will change us. And we will become more like Him. Because one day, those words, well done, good and faithful servant, that's what I'm living for. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I thank you for each person that is here. Lord, I thank you that, that you are the one that speaks to us and you are the one that, um, that wants to, to walk with us. Lord, uh, we read in your word that before the world even began, that you knew every day of our life. We also read that, that um, you put us in, in certain times for a specific reason. And so I pray for us as a church family. Lord, I, I don't know everybody's story, but I, I know that, um, that we desperately need you, and we desperately need your joy and your peace. So Father, as we go throughout our everyday lives, may we just know um, the calling that you have upon us, and, and that you call us to be your ambassadors in a world that, that need you now uh, more than ever. So, Lord, I thank you for this church family, and I thank you for our time together. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.